Oh my goodness, what the hell just happened? My name is Ian Monhe, and welcome to the second episode of Three Pete Sports, formerly known as the AZ Sports Podcast. Welcome in. And I'm feeling very good tonight. It's a, it's a late night. Everybody's asleep. It's all quiet. I just got a new mic. I did a couple test runs. And it sounds really, really good. And I'm excited to get into this episode. And in the next couple of episodes, I'm going to be doing three days worth of episodes. Today, it's going to be a mock draft. Uh, tomorrow will be just my overall thoughts on the NBA Finals that just wrapped up. Some trades have went down, some coaching hires and backouts went down. Uh, maybe give some predictions in the next episode. And on Thursday, uh, that is draft day on June 23rd, and I am going to be doing a live show. I'm going to be doing a live show on YouTube for, I don't know, however long. I'm going to be starting it at 4 p.m. Arizona time. And that's going to maybe run maybe three to four hours. I'm going to be having a bunch of other friends that are deeply invested into the NBA as I am, deeply invested into the NBA draft as I am. Just going to have a good, fun couple of hours just talking basketball, talking the draft. And I'm going to be doing a mock draft today, like I said. I'm, I've put in a lot of work watching some of these guys. To the point where I've created my own draft board, which is a first for me. Just doing draft profiles, player comparisons. You can find this draft board over on Fanspo, which is the popular trade machine website. You could go to fanspo.com, go to the search bar in the website and look up iBlakeM10. And you will click on my profile and you'll be able to find my draft board right there. Just, I'm, I have 20 players up right now, full uh, profiles, comparisons. I'm planning on doing 40 by uh, draft day. And hopefully, you know, that day is going to be a lot of fun. And before we get into this mock draft, I definitely wanted to shout out some of my ASU friends, I'm going to school at Arizona State for sports journalism, my friends, uh, Keith and Kyle, they just uploaded their first episode on June 20th uh, called the Two Cents Podcast. They talked about the NBA Finals. Uh, they talked about uh, a couple months ago's NFL draft, gave their overall thoughts. It was a really great episode. I strongly recommend tuning into their show. Again, it's called the Two Cents Podcast podcast and without further ado let's get into this mock draft which will be lottery only so the first 14 picks of the draft there is trades in here and these are all going to be based off of my own evaluations of these players it's not going to be predictive like how every other site does it it's going to be based off of how i think teams should go about uh, their picks, their moves, act, being the acting GM for all 30 NBA teams in this scenario. Now, without further ado, let's get into the first pick of this mock draft that belongs to the Orlando Magic, who have 
a very difficult decision that pick one, which, you know, for every team that picks number one, there's a lot of pressure. You know, they have a bunch of young players uh, going from Cole Anthony, who had a really strong second season, uh, Franz Wagner, who they picked up in last year's draft, and then just a collection of like other solid young players. Uh, Jalen Suggs, who was picked fifth last year, Wendell Carter, uh, Chumo Kiki, Markel Fultz, Jonathan Isaac is coming off of injury. You get the point. Just solid young players. They don't have a cornerstone, and that's the issue with this team. They need a player that can be their number one option, and from that point on, they should be looking to build around their cornerstone. None of these guys right now, you, can, you can't build around those guys, and I need a great player that can score the ball and defend. I'm not, you know, given Orlando's recent history of drafting high potential players, raw prospects, it really hasn't worked out for them for the most part, right? Mario Hizonia is a great example of not working out. Mo Bamba was on that trajectory until they got a new coach in here last year with, I believe it was Jamal Mosley from Dallas. And then Mo Bamba started to pick it up, and now he's going to be a restricted free agent this offseason. So now what do you do with that? Uh, I'm going to be selecting my number one player on the board, and that's Jabari Smith, who is, again, an all-around prospect to me. I don't see a lot of weaknesses. You know, he has size at six foot ten. He has the length and the quickness to defend multiple positions. You know, I really believe in his all-around ability. Um, he offensively is an elite three-point shooter. Uh, he's a great mid-range shooter. You know, he's poised to make a dominant presence around the perimeter. Um, defensively, again, he has the length and he has the lean and a strong body to guard in the post. My only, I, there's like a couple knocks, but my main knock on him uh, you know, over the course of his uh, first season at Auburn, he developed a lot of confidence. And with that confidence, he tried out a bunch of different moves just to see what he can do, right? One of those being the dribble drive to the basket. And he was steadily improving as the season went on, but he relies too heavily on mid-range pull-ups and contested floaters. And for being 6'10", I think that he should you know, take it to the baskets from time to time, actually all the time, and, you know, see if you could get fouled. And, you know, uh, if he needs to improve his free throw shooting or his form, I think that's, you know, it's a great way to to work on that. But, you know, either way, uh, I think that he is going to be a multi-time all-star, an untradeable player, and the player that's going to help Orlando move up in the rankings, right? So they're going to figure out how to build their team around their number one pick. That's what they should do with this number one pick. And now we can move on to pick two. And when it comes to OKC, it's pretty simple to me. I'm going to be selecting whoever Orlando doesn't select between Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren. And Holmgren is my uh, next prospect that's going to be picked right here at pick two. And he's an interesting prospect. We all understand that. He is a seven foot, 195 pound center. A very unique player. And uh, he has, he's mainly a defensive player, right? He has 
all the length in the world to become not only a dominant rim protector, but a dominant paint protector. He's going to be altering a lot of shots in OKC where they don't have, uh, I don't think they have a seven footer on their roster. No, never mind. They have Poku, but he's like a small forward, power forward type. And Chet Holmgren has, you know, immense defensive ability, unlike a lot of the players on that team. Uh, I worry about his ability to defend in the post against bigger and stronger centers, and that's always going to be the main issue with Shet Holmgren until he proves everybody else otherwise. Is you know he does have a skinny frame, he does have a 190 pound uh, frame. He also has uh, slower, you know, his foot speed is pretty slow. He's pretty slow on the perimeter. Um, you know, with him, he he covers a lot of ground not with his speed with but it's with his long strides and that works out right on offense he uses those long strides to get to the basket he's not the quickest player but he has a good handle a good feel for the game a good pull-up jumper uh, a very good three-point shooter as well he looks to be a dominant threat in the pick and pop game but it, you know it, it just all comes back to his strength weight uh, he's an easier center to bully on defense and on offense. It's easy to bump him when he goes into the paint and throws up, you know, a floater, maybe goes to the rim and tries to dunk it. But he, you know, he has he has a tough time uh, with contact and he's going to have to adjust to the contact in the big leagues where everybody's going to be picking on him now. I do think that his offensive creation and his rim protecting ability gives him great upside. Uh, worth selecting in the top three. Uh, he's my four. He's my number four prospect on my board. But you look at OKC's team, they have so many like projects and developmental guys that I think that they're doing well with, and that includes Josh Giddy. I think that he's developing pretty nicely at that point guard position. They've had a history of developing great players, Kevin Durant, Westbrook, Harden. You know the players. They have a great track record, and I think that they're going to do the same thing with Shet Holmgren. I'm not sure if he's going to be a very good number two option, but just getting some talent at that center position, which, you know, out, you know, they have Isaiah Roby, they have Derek Favors, Jeremiah Earl Robinson. They don't have like an elite talent at that five position, and they should go ahead and get themselves an elite talent at the five position. And Shet Holmgren is exactly that. And he's going to have, you know, a tremendous impact on them immediately. And now we can move on to the third pick, which is also a really easy pick. That's going to be uh, Paulo Boncaro from Duke going to Houston. They just traded away Christian Wood, uh, who I viewed more so as a four man instead of a small ball five. And it made a lot of sense to, trade him away in order to make room for Boncaro. Although I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up selecting Jaden Ivey. You look at Kevin Porter Jr., their current point guard, and you know he's developed really nicely as a, uh, a passer, a playmaker. They've tried to mold him into this James Harden type of player, but everything comes back to his attitude, his personality. It's what ran him out of Cleveland, and it almost ran him out of Houston just this past season. He has an attitude problem, so I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up taking Ivy here. But I'm selecting the best uh, 
you know, the player with the highest potential in this class. He's just a greatly gifted offensive player. You you see the athleticism. You see that he's quick and strong. He's six foot ten to fifty. He has a, a patented mid post fadeaway that he you know he abused at Duke, and it's his signature move. It's very reminiscent of dare I say Carmelo Anthony. Uh, he has uh, possibly the best ball handling ability at his position. Uh, he'll bring some highlight finishes at the rim but the thing that's really impressive is that with his frame um he has really good body control and hang time to get off a very composed and easy looking uh contested layup he's just a straight score a very good three-point shooter has a complete three-level scoring ability for me the main issue is defensive is on the defensive end he's not good at all uh, as quick as he is on offense, it seems like he doesn't put in a lot of effort on the defensive end. He doesn't have great lateral quickness on the perimeter. And, you know, he's absolutely not, you know, the rim protector, or the paint protector that Chet Holmgren is. Uh, you know, his defense just may never be a positive in his NBA career. You know, he's going to have to put in a lot of effort, a lot of work on that end of the floor to become at least average and, you know, his defensive upside is extremely low. It, it's almost none. I think that his offensive skill set really offsets everything. You you see how good of a three-level scorer this man is. And you put him next to Jalen Green. You put him next to Kevin Porter Jr. That's just a highlight reel waiting to happen. Uh, you know, I see him as the prospect, especially with Houston, who will most likely become a number one option on on a championship contending team. Again, I see him as a Carmelo Anthony type of player who, you know, it it it's mainly because of that mid-post fadeaway that is just so reminiscent. But again, like Melo, was always a really good offensive player and was always a negative on, on the defensive end. So Paulo Boncaro to Houston, I, I think that's what's going to happen. I think we can all agree on that. And that's exactly what I, I should do too. What, that's what I'm going to do, too. He's a very, very talented player. With the fourth pick, it belongs to the Sacramento Kings. And I talked about this on my last podcast of trades that I would do. And that was Washington trading Bradley Beal to Sacramento. I explained it there. But just to run it down, it's Bradley Beal to Sacramento. And then Davion Mitchell, Harrison Barnes. Rashawn Holmes, pick four, and a future first-round pick. You know, if I'm Washington, I'm not paying $50 million a year to Bradley Beal. You know, they already have Porzingis on a max deal right now. You know, that's just, that's already 70% of your cap right there. Uh, just like, I don't know the exact percentage, but just about. You're not going to have much room to improve your roster unless it's internal development and you look at Danny Avdia, Rui Achimura, you know, they really haven't shown a great trajectory as, you know, a second option on a Bradley Beal-led team. I think it's just good to cut my ties, get back as many young pieces as I can, and Sacramento just needs to go all in. You know, they're, they're trying to trade that pick. They understand how highly coveted of a player that Jaden Ivey is. And you have a backcourt right now. You know, this this is Washington selecting Jaden Ivey right here. I see Jaden Ivey more so as a 
as a two guard, you know, he's not very much. He's not a point guard. You know, he's has an issue with playmaking. Uh, he turned the ball over pretty routinely. And he's a, uh, you know, he's not a very uh, composed. He's, he's a very erratic finisher. He's very aggressive, and it'll lead to a lot of uh, charges drawn in the NBA. Uh, but Jaden Ivey, you know, his, obviously his athleticism excites everyone, which and his jump shot is so reminiscent of John Morant, but I don't see him as a John Morant player. I see him as a Donovan Mitchell type of player. Uh, you know, his finishing ability um, and his uh, highlight dunks and plays, you know, it provided Purdue with a boost of energy that increased the confidence of every other player around the team. And from year one to year two, his shooting ability really improved. And, you know, it really rounded out his offensive game outside of his playmaking issues. And, you know, he's a, a reckless guard who can be turnover prone in his first year or two in the league. Um, defensively, he's really damn good. Uh, he, you could tell just watching Purdue that they're more so a, a defensive minded team and that he's very well coached on the defensive end. You know, he has quick hands, quick feet. Uh, he seems to be uh, defensively, at least like, a, uh, you know, I don't expect him to be a Marcus Smart level defender, but like DeJounte Murray, I think he's going to be really good defensively uh, with his verticality. I could see him getting some blocks here and there and his quick hands uh, forces ball handlers to turn the ball over, whether that's uh, out of bounds, back court, or maybe just a straight up steal, right? Uh, he'll have to learn to be uh, a finesse defender in the paint. That's, you know, it's that's really nitpicky, you know. But you look at a Marcus Smart level defender who is not, he's not a mismatch on any sort of player defensively just because he is so scrappy. And if, you know, he wants to be a Marcus Smart level defender, he'll have to be a little bit more finessey in the paint in order to round out a strong all-around game i see him more as a combo guard he's the best guard in the class and i think that he will be the best guard in this class when it's all said and done with washington you're next to davion mitchell who is pretty similar in that aspect that they're both you know defensive menaces i see davion mitchell more so as a point guard not only due to his size but he provided a really good playmaking ability for um for the kings last year when halliburton left especially he was really growing into his own. And I'm excited to see, you know, I'm making this move if I'm both sides. Washington, get younger, get some good pieces. You're going to have an exciting backcourt. Sacramento, trade the fourth pick. You're trying to go all in, get yourself a bucket getter. Jay and Ivy to Washington, I think that's really exciting. And now we can go to where the draft actually starts and it's that pick five right we all know that the top four in this class is smith chet holmgren boncaro ivy everywhere else and every other team in the draft we have no idea what's going to happen and that's why you know i do expect a lot of trades come draft day i'm i'm gonna put my uh two cents in here shout out keith and kyle 
and say that we're going to see over six trades, seven trades in the first round. And that's not going to start off with the Detroit Pistons, who are at pick five. Uh, for the longest time, I've debated putting Shaden Sharp over here, who is the mystery of the draft, who uh, the guard out of Kentucky. But I don't really want to take a risk when I have already taken a risk with Killian Hayes the two years prior, and he hasn't worked out at all. I want to take more so of a, a sure thing, you know, a really good offensive piece next to Cade Cunningham, next to Sadiq Bey. I am going to select Ben Matherin from Arizona, from U of A. Just a very good, uh, uh, what would you say? One of the best, yeah, he's one of the best shooters in this draft. He hit 83 threes at a 37% clip. He's, you know, he, along with Ivy, improved greatly. Uh, you know, he he wasn't really a first-round prospect coming into this season uh, as a sophomore, and now he's a projected lottery selection, probably top-five selection. Uh, he's mainly a off-ball shooter, and uh, he frees himself up from off-ball screens, and you know he just has an elite catch-and-shoot ability that, in today's game, it's so valuable. You see the likes of Clay Thompson. You see the likes of... Uh, who's another shooter? Buddy Heald. You know, there's a lot of players that have worked so well and made a name for themselves off of the catch and shoot ability. Uh, he does also do off the dribble shooting as well. He's a very good rebounder. Uh, he's also a very good player when it comes to playing above the rim and in the paint. You know, that's scoring is going to be his calling card uh, day one when it comes to uh, offense. You know, he has. Uh, tunnel vision he's not a great passer and you know i wouldn't say rightfully so but he's a shooting guard small forward type of player uh so he will have that kelly Oubre like tunnel vision and his shot selection can be really questionable and that you know it halted the offense a lot during his time at arizona and if he's going to be a true piece he's going to really have to become smarter develop an overall shot iq right as a 6-6 wing at 210, he has ideal size, ideal athleticism that projects him to become a very good defender. He has, you know, like Ivy, quick hands, it causes turnovers. Um, when it comes to playing off the ball, he's not very good at that, as is a lot of these players in the draft. Like, they, they don't have the focus uh, to be a very good off-ball defender, at least right now. And he puts most of his energy on offense, which ends up burning him out defensively. Uh, in order for himself to play into rotations, playoff rotations namely, he'll have to fo focus more on uh, his efforts and his overall focus on the defensive end. I do think that he will eventually become a good defender. We saw the progress from year one to year two. Who, keep, who won't deny that he'll improve? Uh, as NBA seasons go on and he becomes more seasoned. With his shooting, his great offensive game, I wouldn't be surprised if I saw him get some all-star nods in his career. You know, with with Detroit, you're going to be next to Cade Cunningham, who's going to set you up with those catch-and-shoot opportunities. And you're going to 
offensively, you're going to have a really nice three-way scoring trio that includes Cade and Matherin and uh, Sadiq Bey. In the backcourt, you know, those first three guys from point guard, shooting guard, small forward, that's a tall lineup. 6'8", point guard, 6'6", shooting guard, 6'9", small forward, who all have a great three-level scoring ability while also chipping in their own um, other abilities, which includes finishing at the rim and passing for Cade. Um, That includes catch-and-shoot ability and composed driving ability, along with Sadiq Bey, who has a really good defensive ability. I think that this should be a no-brainer for Detroit. If you you do select Shaden Sharp, I wouldn't fault you. But Ben Matherin, you know, he was a quick riser on my board. He's on, he's number six on my board. Uh, I originally had him at 10, which is pretty low. You know, as I began to watch him, he's, he, he's really grown on me. And I think that he's going to be really nice uh, for whichever team that he goes to. But hopefully in Detroit, because that's going to be a fun lineup to watch. We can move to pick six, which belongs to the, Indiana Pacers, and this is a team that I also really would like to see select Jay and Ivy. And this is like a prime trade down spot. You know, get yourself some more assets. Um, maybe you trade back into the lottery with your players of Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner being on the trade block. I think that I'm going to go about this as if Miles Turner is going to stay on the roster. I don't really want to get rid of him at this moment in time unless you're doing a sign-and-trade later on for uh, DeAndre Ayton, which has been rumored. I'm going to select myself a four-man and probably my favorite player in the draft, and that's Keegan Murray, who is my number five player on the board. Uh, Averaged (laughs) nearly 24 points per game by shooting at the same exact spots every time you shot it, whether it's from inside the arc or out. He knew exactly where he was um, dominating in the college game. And him noticing where he's great at and where he's great scoring at and where he's not good um, at scoring at, you know, it it shows an overall uh, high basketball IQ, shot IQ. He doesn't really go, he doesn't really play to improve his weaknesses. He more so just dominates where he knows he can dominate. And that's, you know, really smart in the in the college game, especially. You know, he's really efficient from the field and from three. He shot 55% from the field. I mean, that's pretty impressive for a six foot eight power forward. You know, it's really abnormal for a player at his position and at his size. He also impacts the game with rebounding. You know, he averaged nine rebounds a game. And most importantly, defense. You know, as a team defender, he's, you know, smart. You know, he demonstrates a overall basketball IQ with his pick and roll coverage, has the length to alter shots, um, and it's difficult to move him. He has a great uh, upper body base, you know, similar to like a Jay Crowder. Um, he may not be extremely quick on the perimeter, but his length you know, should give him an ability to be pretty good on the defensive end. 
uh his hustle stands out as well you know for him he may not be a number one guy he may never be a great shot blocker and he doesn't need to be he has miles turner next to him like he's gonna be doing all the in the paint work right you know he's at worst a glue guy on any contending team you know at best he's the number two option just a really efficient player you know I believe in Keegan Murray to hit his peak, you know, that peak being, you know, a 22, 23 point per game score. And he he's going to stick around the league for a long time. And if he goes to a place like Indiana, you know, he, he plays well off of Miles Turner's weaknesses, you know, as a great scorer and efficient scorer at that from all three levels. Um, I think that he's got some ability to be a uh, a lob threat and i think just as a team defender and given you know tyrese halliburton being a plus defender at the point guard position um miles turner being a plus defender in the paint you know that's a you know that's a really scary trio of defenders on the team and he doesn't have to you know be the greatest shot blocker in the world you know he he does have miles turner to help him with that I think that this is a really good spot for Keegan Murray. I would not be surprised if he, if the Kings stayed at four and they picked Keegan Murray. That's how much I, you know, I really like this kid. But Keegan Murray, Indiana, with Halliburton, Chris Dorte, maybe another first-round pick in this year's draft. Who knows? It's an excellent fit, and it's an excellent start to their rebuild which they started at the deadline just last year and now we can move on to the seventh pick which belongs to the portland trailblazers and i was pretty disappointed on in the draft lottery i really thought that they were going to make a jump in the top four to maybe select boncaro ivy maybe even make a bigger trade but you know that's exactly what i'm going to be looking to do i was really eyeing Ben Matherin for the Blazers, but now that he is gone, you know, I don't really want to select a guy like Dyson Daniels. He's too a little too early for me. Johnny Davis is nice, but you're gonna have too many scores at that point with Simons and Lillard. I'm going to be looking to trade this pick, you know, really heavily. You know, I think that Jeremy Grant is a logical selection. Uh, logical selection, a logical trade target. I think the seventh pick is a little too rich for me. I think I'm going to look to trade down to eventually trade that pick to acquire Jeremy Grant. So I'm going to be trading down with the OKC Thunder, uh, a package of Lou Dort and a pick 12 going to Portland. And in exchange for the seventh pick, and OKC is back up. You know, if I'm Portland, you know, I, again, I'm looking for win now help as much as I would love to, you know, see what kind of assets I could get for Damian Lillard. I'm not going to do that. You know, he's made a commitment to the Trailblazers, and I'm going to be looking to get some pieces that will better fit this roster. And Lou Dort is a very good player right there. I'll also get in the 12th pick. Maybe you select, you know, a Jalen Duran. Maybe you even go ahead and trade that pick for another win now player because you do have big exceptions uh trade exceptions i mean but now at pick seven you know you're okc 
and you're up and I'm going to select Shaden Sharp, the the guard from Kentucky, who's the biggest mystery in this class. Although, you know, he didn't play a single game in, you know, it's really surprising and it's shocking to see a guy that didn't play a college game at all, wasn't even seen, and he's still projected to be a top 10 pick. And I think a lot of that has to do with his athleticism. He has a reported 49-inch vertical. And, you know, let me say that again. He has a 49-inch vertical, which is absolutely insane. If that was uh, done, like, at the Combine, that would have tied the record uh, for the highest vertical jump with Michael Jordan, I believe it was. You know, it certainly backs up the praise of being the most athletic player in the draft. He's just too much of a risk for me now to take at pick five. But if I'm OKC, again, I'm willing to do that. You know, I have, you know, a history of drafting and developing a lot of these players, and I'm planning on doing that with Chet Almgren, with Shaden Sharp, and maybe that makes Josh Giddy or Shea a little bit more expendable. Maybe you play Shaden Sharp at the three. Who knows? You know, he's a player that, you know, I had to look purely on, you know, his high school tape and, you know, for other teams, it's his workouts and, you know, I don't have access to, you know, the videotapes of his workouts with these teams, but, you know, I, I will say this, he has great length for his position, uh, you know, offensively, he, uh, you know, I keep saying this with a lot of players, but he's probably the, you know, really great finisher at the rim, especially with both hands. You know, he's developing his jump shots and um, at least what I've heard, you know, from uh, the media, he really showed out as like a really good uh, shot creator, which was, you know, really not a part of his game in his high school tape. But it's good to see that, you know, he is developing that and he really did take the time to, you know, improve his draft stock you know, to the point where you're, he's a lock for the top 10. Um, he plays with great pace. At least he played with great pace. And uh, he's poised. He's a, yeah, he's a very poised player who is, you know, it's very difficult to, you know, rattle him. He, he was a good mid-range shooter in the past. And, you know, he just needs to work on, you know, his three-point jump shot. He's, he's just a very streaky shooter. Um, he's... Uh, you know, a lot of players like Jay and Ivy, they're a little bit more finessey where they just utilize their athleticism, you know, for speed, for handles. You know, Shaden Sharp, from what I saw, was a little bit different. You know, he he's more so like a skill and strength-based shooting guard than, you know, being that finessey player. And that should work for, you know, a team in OKC where, you know, he can just run in a straight line and go to the basket. You know, maybe he does develop a good passing ability. You know, he is a guard. You know, he should be able to develop his playmaking ability. Uh, defensively, he has the length. He has the athleticism very clearly. Um, you know, for, you know, his verticality and his speed, you know, he, he should be a good defender at the next level. It You know, it's, you know, that's really all I have on him. You know, it's really difficult to rank sharp you know, when we haven't seen him play in over a year. You know, he's a really high potential player. You know, he can eventually be worth taking in the top five in um, 
when you just look back on everything, he may have been worth a top five pick. It's still a little too risky right now. But I pick seven for a team that should be willing to take risks. OKC should absolutely do that and take the most athletic player in this draft in Shaden Sharp. And now we can move to the eighth pick, which belongs to the New Orleans Pelicans. They got this from the Anthony Davis trade when they traded him to the Lakers. This is the Lakers pick. Uh, New Orleans just does not need a young player right now. And, you know, I know that that's weird to say, but it feels like they're all capped out in every position with Brandon Ingram uh, as their three, obviously Zion, uh, Valanchunas, McCollum. They have like that really good back court in on the bench with Alvarado, Devontae Graham, Trey Murphy is looking really nice, Herb Jones. You know, it's a very complex team that, you know, do, do they really need to add more players? Maybe not right now. And I'm looking to trade this pick. And if I could get like a really, you know, if I were able to trade for Brad Beal, I'd probably do it. But I'm going to keep looking, you know, towards the future, right? They, you know, in, I think that New Orleans should try to get a draft pick for next year. You know, next year's draft, it's supposed to be absolutely loaded. I forgot the kid's name, but he's one of the most hyped up prospects that I can remember. You know, he's that international player. You know, he and just a number of other players. Um, God, uh, uh, dude, I can't remember a lot of these prospects on the top of my head. I only have the, the, the draft prospects that are in front of me in this year's draft. Um, but you should definitely look to get some picks for next year because you know the picks for next year are going to be extremely valuable then you could use those picks in a different trade because you already have great assets right now you know i'm going to be looking at future first round picks in any trade for the new orleans pelicans and i found one with the indiana pacers uh i'm going to be trading away the 31st pick in this year's draft which is a second round pick Cleveland's first round pick next year, which I believe is lottery protected. And then like a top six protected first round pick for next year from Indiana as well. If I'm Indiana, you know, I, I really want to accelerate this rebuild a little bit faster, you know, get some guys that I know will fit around Turner, uh, Halliburton, uh, and the newcomer in Keegan Murray. I'm going to need myself a bucket getter. And that's Johnny Davis uh, from Wisconsin, who's my number eight player on the board. Just a pure bucket, best three-level scorer at his position. Uh, you know, not a lot of guards can remember, uh, resemble his uh, shot-making ability. He's a tough finisher at the rim with both hands. He dominates in the mid-range. Uh, and he just has this soft touch that, it, you know, it just looks pure when you watch him shoot the three ball. Uh, he can score in the pick and roll, in a cash and shoot situation, off the dribble, you know, just pure buckets. He's not much of a playmaker, and, you know, you don't really need him to. He's a pure bucket. You know, make sure that, you know, he's in situations where he can get his own shot. You know, it's not advanced, you know, his passing ability, you know, it's, you know, it doesn't really have to be if he's just going to score. Um, 
you know, he makes basic reads and that's perfectly fine if you're just going to be getting buckets, but he has to improve his shot IQ, you know, his shot selection. It's not that great right now. And especially at Wisconsin where he was the number one option, you know, on, you know, what was a really bad team, you know, his efficiency numbers were really low, you know, much like a at Devin Booker when he was uh, playing in his first three to four seasons with the Suns. Uh, you know, he'll have to be more disciplined when it comes to attempting contested shots and knowing that he's going to have Murray to bail him out. Same with Turner, same with Halliburton, same with Chris Dorte, who I haven't mentioned yet. He's been a really good player for Indiana so far. Uh, defensively, he he's just rock solid, you know, good perimeter defender, um, has the discipline uh, on ball, uh, good foot speed, good strength it allows himself to be physical and pesky on the ball um i think that off the ball you know he can improve a little bit more you know he does lack the focus from time to time but he does show off enough potential at the on the defensive end to make me really believe that this dude is going to be awesome he is going to be awesome in this draft i think a lot of people are overthinking him you know is he just a bucket is he three and d is he three with no d d with uh no three you know he, he i everybody's overthinking it in the right situation he's going to be a 24 point per game score he and you know he can bail out teams with the shot making ability and teams that value having that ability especially in the playoffs when everybody knows your plays you're going to need some guys to get tough buckets you know i expect davis to be that guy i expect him to be a fantastic player for whichever team he gets selected by and for Indiana, who doesn't have a pure bucket right now, uh, you know, especially with, you know, having three like good, not great scores, you know, in Halliburton, Murray, Turner, Dorte, get yourself somebody that uh, is a patented bucket. Johnny Davis is that. Go get him. Pick nine is the San Antonio Spurs, who just, they made the play in, which was, relatively surprising to say the least and you know it's a fine roster with good players that you know know how to play in pop system but i don't think that they have you know they're good enough to be a play be in a playing spot but bad enough to not bad enough to get the you know a top pick they're just mediocre right now uh i will say that there is a player that i'm eyeing for them right now that. Yeah, I you know he's really underrated. Um, I'm gonna be selecting Jeremy Sohan from Baylor. You know I view him in the same realm as Keegan Murray is viewed by the consensus. You know I understand that you know he does have some inconsistencies as a three point shooter, and that was because you know for the most part Kendall Brown was taking a lot of the shots, and you know he he was supposed to be a really good player for Baylor, but he's he's fallen down the board. You know, and I think that it really hurt the rest of the team because they couldn't get off a lot of their own shots. But, you know, he does have the shot mechanics. He has the form to his to improve his three-point shots. You know, for any team, especially in San Antonio, who is also really good at developing players, he should be a really good three-point shooter for them. Uh, He has... Great inside game, which includes, you know, a mid-range shot, a great finisher with both hands, 
And the thing that's like I weirdly like about him is his first step. You know, he's a six foot ten, two thirty power forward. You know, he has great burst and you know, you know, driving past his defenders, you know, he drove by him rather easily. You know, it may not be too easy uh, at the NBA level, you know, just given that the speed of the NBA is so different. But Sohan is like really impressive when he has the ball in his hands and he runs in a straight line to the basket. You know, he's able to drive past his defenders pretty, uh, pretty fast. You know, you know, he has expected improvements from beyond the arc, you know, and his burst is really impressive. You know, it's, it's going to make him a very valuable offensive piece. And you can see that burst in his perimeter defense. Um, and, you know, if you compare him to Murray and Paula Boncaro and, you know, his ability to guard smaller, quicker guards or, you know, just quicker players in general, it's much better than those two prospects. You know, he's also, you know, a very nifty post defender. You know, he, you know, it's difficult to move him. Uh, he has arms that will bother post defenders, meaning that, you know, he has long arms and he's also pretty, pretty strong. He shines on defense and that's his calling card on day one. You know, for a team in San Antonio, you know, they have DeJounte Murray, Jakob Pertl, Keldon Johnson is really coming into his own, but everybody else is kind of mediocre, and you kind of need to get a guy that fits your system but also makes players expendable because at the end of the day, you know, they have fine young pieces but not great enough to get you know, a superstar level player, but I think that they have the assets to get, you know, really good players and selecting Sohan, you know, he's going to be, you know, this glorified role player, you know, that's why I view him as a Jeremy Grant type of player, you know, they're both really good defenders. They struggled a little bit at first from beyond the arc, but they should be very, you know, they should be improving. And that's what Jeremy Grant did. You know, offensively, he's close to being, you know, a very complete power forward prospect. And, you know, I've said it over and over again, but the shooting needs to improve. And if that happens, I can see him being this Kyle Kuzma, Jeremy Grant, 18 to 20 point per game score. And in San Antonio's system, he should have a lot of opportunities, given that they don't have another, uh, I keep saying bucket getter. They don't get another uh, pure score like how, you know, Johnny Davis is gone. He would have been perfect for this team. But I think that Sohan can take over and develop his own sort of isolation game similar to how Jeremy Grant did with the Detroit Pistons. Now we move to the 10th pick, and it, that belongs to the Wizards as well. They got that pick in the lottery. They didn't trade for it. So now they have picks 4 and pick 10. And you have Jaden Ivey. You have Davion Mitchell, and then just an overabundance of uh, front court players from Denny Avdia to Ruri Hashimura, uh, Porzingis, Daniel Gafford, Thomas Bryant, Corey Kispert, and now you added in Rashawn Holmes and Harrison Barnes. You know he, you know I don't really want to add another front court player, but I still am going to with a pretty good prospects that I'm a little bit lower on. Uh that's AJ Griffin, you know, another highly touted Duke player. Six foot six, two twenty-two. He's you know, he has all the offensive game in the world to become, you know, this high end number two option. He has 
a great shooting ability. He shot 45% from three in his only season at Duke, which is extremely impressive for, you know, his size. Uh, you know, he has great shooting touch, but the, I have an issue with his, his form. You know, he has a wide set jumper. He keeps the ball uh, on the side of his head. Uh, he doesn't get much uh, lift. He doesn't really jump on his jump shots. Uh, you know, I don't think that, you know, those types of jump shots translate well. You know, everything he does uh, in terms of his uh, finishing ability, uh, his speed, driving to the paint, just has to be quicker. And his, you know, jump shot has to be quicker. Uh, that's sort of his thing. He plays at his own pace, and, you know, it's a that's an issue offensively considering that you know a lot of players are going to close out to his shots rather easily that they'll probably block it for the most part and just he needs to be quicker and that's an issue defensively as well you know he's a strong on ball defender and you know a good one at that he needs you know he needs to be left on an island he needs to be uh you know he excels on iso defense um you know he can't really cover uh, enough ground on pick and roll coverage, which is an issue. You know, he gets stuck on the the roll man whenever he does set a pick. And, you know, like a lot of other prospects, he tends to ball watch on uh, off-ball defense, and he does get lost. You know, a lot of players back cut on him. You know, I, I said a lot of negative things about him, and that's only to point out that he is a little bit lower on my board than the consensus does. I have him as my 10th overall prospect. You know, he projects to be, you know, a very good role player in the league who can hit the three, play some defense. He'll obviously have to get smarter. He'll have to be quicker, you know, and, you know, he can. He has the athleticism, all the athleticism in the world, and he has the, you know, some of the best shooting ability in this league to you know last in this league for a long time uh in order to reach his full potential it's just gonna one more time he's got to be quicker uh griffin on a team with an above average development staff should be able to reach that potential and you know i see that with with washington with a new head coach i'm a higher on wes unsell jr than most uh, I think that he's a very good defensive coach, and I think that he'll become a lot more disciplined with a, a young team that, you know, if you look at this roster going down from your backcourt in Jay and Ivy and Hash Hashimura and Davion Mitchell, and then you could take a look at um, Denny Avdia, uh, Daniel Gafford, Harrison Barnes, Rashawn Holmes. You have defenders all over the place. And they should be able to also help you. Uh, they should help Griffin motivate himself to be a great team defender. I think that this is a perfect spot. And if you just need him in the catch and shoot situation, he'll be that guy for Washington. Because not a lot of players in that starting lineup outside of maybe Harrison Barnes and Porzingis. I think they're the only players that can provide a consistent uh they're going to be a consistent shooting threat. And A.J. Griffin could be that third guy for now a pretty nice young core in Washington.
we can move to pick 11 now, and that belongs to the New York Knicks, who now all of a sudden are in the sweepstakes for Kyrie Irving. And now, you know, I'm not going to get into that right now. That's going to be in the next episode, so stay tuned for that. But Kyrie, Kyrie, the, the Knicks have a point guard issue. You know, Kemba Walker was not it. They played Alec Burks a lot at point guard last year. And that's not sustainable success. Uh, Derek Rose was hurt for the most part. Emmanuel quickly, I, I see more so as a combo guard as well. Uh, I don't think that you could really develop uh, RJ into a playmaker at all. I need myself, you know, a pass first point guard that will, you know, hit the open looks to, to RJ, uh, throw the lob to whoever's playing center. I don't know if Mitchell Robinson is coming back. And I need some versatility uh, on both ends. I'm going to select Dyson Daniels, who is another player that I'm lower on. I keep seeing him as as high as a, the fifth best prospect in the draft. I don't really see it. You know, he has... I'll, I'll say this about him. He has some of the best passing ability in this class. You know, he's he has excellent court vision, uh, basketball IQ. You know, you, you're able to see that through his passing ability. Uh, he has a potential to develop a, a good offensive game, uh, you know, shooting game. And, you know, he has good shot mechanics. Uh, he's shown an ability to score in the mid range and at the rim. Uh, and in the post, you know, he's a six foot six, 185 pound point guard. He's going to be facing a, a smaller point guards. So he, when he was with the G League and Knight team, he really took advantage of a lot of the smaller guards there. The, the main problem with Dyson Daniels for me is that he's extremely reluctant to score. And he's an inconsistent scorer at that. You know, he has all the abilities and he has the form and he has the potential to be an all-around offensive threat. You know, just to be a very, you know, prototypical point guard. It's just his desire to be unselfish. You know, it's it's a detriment at times. And I'm not sure if that will ever get away because he does value uh, his true point guard skills so much. As bad as that can be, he also affects the game in other ways, you know, he's a very good rebounder and that's due to his height and length at the position. Uh, that length and, you know, that really helps on the defensive end. He al He's also a player with quick hands, made him a very effective on-ball defender with the G League and Ignite team. Uh, you know, he has a knack for getting uh, a lot of steals, disrupting the ball handler. Uh, and again, he, is, he locks his eyes to the ball when he's playing off-ball defense and he loses his man off, often. And, you know, his level of focus when he's not guarding the ball, you know, it needs to improve. He's going to a Tom Thibodeau-led team, and that team prides itself, or at least the coach really prides himself on defense, which was his calling card in his first year in New York. You know, Daniels has you know, the prototypical point guard skills to really help out this entire team. You can take a look at uh, Josh Giddy as, you know, the type of player 
that you could expect to make a jump in the draft. I would not be surprised if he ended up going six overall to the Pacers at all. Um, I just can't take him that high just because I see him more so as like a above average point guard. You know, I see, you know, a lot of Lonzo Ball in him. You know, inconsistent uh, offensive score at first. Develops enough confidence, has the passing ability, has the defensive ability. Just, you know, he, he has the IQ and the smarts in the right situation. He's just going to become the prototypical point guard in, in, you know, a forward's body, right? With New York, it really fills out that point guard need. And who knows if they still go, you know, for a run at Kyrie Irving. And that isn't a bad option at all, considering uh, how easy it will be for New York to create cap space. But Dyson Daniels, you know, given where he's expected to go, this is a great pick. And New York should really be hoping if they can't land Ivy, if they can't land, you know, a trade for Malcolm Brogdon, if they can't land... um, Oh, geez, who was I just talking about? If they can't land Jaden Ivey, if they can't land Malcolm Brogdon, if they can't land Kyrie Irving, Dyson Daniels would be a nice backup plan in the case of, you know, all three of them being gone. Dyson Daniels to New York, lock it in. And now we're going to move on to the 12th pick, which belongs to the Portland Trailblazers who traded with the OKC Thunder previously. I really am tempted to take Jalen Duran right here. I just don't know if you're going to have, is it really worth, you know, getting a rookie center? Um, You know, you're letting go of Yusuf Nurkic. You know, are you really going to, you know, I don't have the confidence that Portland will be able to attract a lot to free agents. I think that it would be smarter to, you know, trade for a guy that has a relationship, uh, some sort of friendship with Damian Lillard, that being Jeremy Grant. And that's what we're going to do right here. We're going to trade Keon Johnson. We're going to trade pick 12 for Jeremy Grant. For Portland, you know, it, it, it's pretty simple. You need yourself guys that are that's going to help this team win now. Now that you made these two trades... You have just acquired Lou Dort and Jeremy Grant to put next to, assumedly, Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons, Yusuf Nurkic, Nazir Little, uh, Eric Bledsoe is still on the team. And, you know, I like Eric Bledsoe still, you know, especially as a backup point guard. Uh, Justice Winslow. Uh, you have Josh Hart now. It's a very, you know, you could bring back Joe Ingles. Uh, Drew Eubanks played really well. It's a very solid roster, and you could create some more flexibility uh, with the players that are free agents now. And the Pistons is going to hurt their chances at getting DeAndre Ayton in the sign and trade. But at the end of the day, is it really, you know, are the Suns really going to? Uh, do a Jeremy Grant for DeAndre Ayton sign and trade, you know, me personally, and it's just, you know, me as the acting GM for all 30 teams. I'm not doing that if I'm both sides. I need it to coexist. So I'm going to be selecting Jalen Duran with the 12th pick for Detroit, who I, you know, he may just be another Isaiah Stewart. 
but I don't see that. You know, he's a traditional big, you know. He possesses an older skill set that, you know, to some degree holds value as a rim runner, as a, a lob threat, as a good defender. You know, he, he will have to develop some sort of three-point jumper or some sort of offensive creation to reach that uh, that upper echelon of centers, you know, with the likes of Bam, even DeAndre Ayton, even Nikola Vucevic. You know, to be able to create for yourself or to hit the catch-and-shoot three like how a Towns does or a Miles Turner does is more valuable than the stuff that he's able to do. So I'm going to, you know, do my best to, to develop this guy. I will say, though, he has, you know, a fine mid-range jump shot. You know, he's able to do some pretty solid post stuff. And, you know, th during the latter half of the season, he very much improved on, you know, his his hook shots and, you know, in the on the block post shots. You know, he's at the end of the season, he was really doing well with that. Um, he, it's his finishing around the baskets and his rim running ability that, you know, it's where nearly all of his scoring came from at his one season at Duke. Uh, you know, he, as I'll give him this, you know, he's a very aggressive finisher who, you know, always goes for the dunk when he's in reach of the rim. And I can really appreciate that. You know, I'm a Suns fan. I've watched, you know, D.A pass up on a lot of these dunks and just go for a layup, maybe go for a turnaround post fadeaway, a jab, and then a mid-range jump shot. I've seen that so many times. He does the same stuff. Uh, I can appreciate a center that is willing to put his, his body on the line in order to get himself a bucket and to get this team a boost of energy. You know, dunks really give a boost to a team. It gives the bench a lot of energy it feeds the crowd energy and then the team feeds off of that energy he, that's going to be really valuable for a team in detroit that is still lacking a lot of excitement even with Cade cunningham and sadiq bay being as good as they were last year they were not they weren't bringing in a lot of fans they weren't doing a whole lot of excitement and bringing in a lot of you know high level plays and exciting plays and I think that Jalen Duran can provide that for Detroit, who doesn't really have a very good center right now. Uh, as good as he is inside, you know, he doesn't have great post-up ability as, you know, as much as I talked about it. So you're really looking forward to the lobs that Cade Cunningham will provide for Jalen Duran. Uh, he's a very skilled rebounder, you know, probably the best rebounder in this class given his seven foot five wingspan, you know, it certainly bothers a lot of opposing offenses in the paint. His rim protection made Memphis one of the top defensive teams. And for a team that who's their coach, I want to say that it's Penny Hardaway. I, I could be mistaken, but I know that they have a former NBA player as their head coach. And that's, coach you know really put defense as one of their top emphasis you know their top points of emphasis and memphis became a really good defensive team his rim protection his rebounding 
that will easily translate to the NBA. He may not have as much of a offensive ceiling unless he does develop either a shot creation ability or a catch and shoot mid range game, maybe even a catch and shoot three point game. However, he has a good skill set to produce right away for Detroit, who will provide them with a good lob threat, a very good defender on the block, a good rebounder, which is all stuff that Isaiah Stewart can do. But I think Jalen Duran has the higher ceiling, and I think that he'll be a lot more of a threat just due to his size. He has a good skill set to produce right away. He has a good chance of being a very steady player for a long time. I like this fit with Detroit as much as it pains Detroit fans to not get themselves DeAndre Ayton or a Mo Bamba, who by all means is flashier than Jalen Duran. This is a good consolation prize regardless. Now we can move to Charlotte at pick 13. The easiest way to go is to select Mark Williams just to get yourself, just to get the team a good center. I'm not entirely, I'm not entirely sold on Mark Williams right now. Um, I see him as a, you know, I'll just put this out there for, you know, Mark Williams. I see him more as like a Robert Williams and a son Whiteside type of player, you know, a great shot blocker great rim protector and another rim runner not a good offensive creator i see a lot more potential in jalen duran that's his, that's why i have duran at 11 and mark williams at 19 and if i'm charlotte i'm continuing to look at trades for maybe a rudy gobert maybe you do end up trading for miles turner but given how I was reluctant at that moment in time to keep, you know, I was reluctant to trade away Miles Turner. So I'm going to wait until a center does come by. Maybe I trade Miles Bridges for DeAndre Ayton. Maybe do something uh, to improve your defensive uh, center position. This team needs defense at its finest they don't uh charlotte just does not have great defenders outside of Ubre, outside of miles bridges who might be leaving i want a guy that is similar to the andrew wiggins role i realized over the course of this playoffs and really the the latter half of the uh, maybe not the latter half of the Warriors season, but just that playoff run in general. Playoff teams really need a forward that is really athletic, right? These types of players that are extremely likable, that you know do a very flashy play, maybe they get off a good three-point shot. Whatever these guys do, like how Andrew Wiggins did for the Warriors this past season, will give that team a boost of energy unlike... it. It's not similar to what a Jalen Duran can do, but it gives a different type of confidence level in everybody else because now that confidence level that Andrew Wiggins showed extend, extended through everybody else because Wiggins was never really this confident player in Minnesota. And now he's turned it around in in Golden State. 
I'm going to try to do that here in Charlotte, given Gordon Hayward being injured for 70% of the season, it feels like. I'm going to be selecting another player that I'm higher on than the consensus, and that's uh, Tori Eason uh, from LSU, a six foot eight forward, 216 pounds. He's a freak of nature physically. He's six foot eight, seven two wingspan. He has a great leaping ability. His athleticism really pops. And as that forward, you know, he's a very good defender, a great shot blocker for his size. He has large hands that he uses to his advantage whenever he's guarding on ball. He averaged nearly two steals per game. That's pretty good for a 6'8 forward. That's pretty, he's pretty light. Uh, his offensive game is a large topic of discussion, and that's why he, his consensus draft board ranking ranges from the lottery to the late 20s. ESPN has him at 17, Fanspo has him at 13, and I remember seeing Tori Eason being at 22, somewhere later in the 20s. He was a good scorer at LSU. He was a 17-point-per-game scorer with great efficiency from the field, from three at the free-throw line. His shot mechanics are flawed, and I talked about this with AJ Griffin. You need a quick jump shot to really excel in the NBA just given the speed of the game he he has flawed shot mechanics uh, as well as his passing ability he was extremely turnover prone uh, to combat you know the uh, the struggle to finish with his opposite hand uh, which is like another part of his game that wasn't really showing off well at LSU he does have a great handle for his size his offensive rebounding ability is very valuable, and that's something that Andrew Wiggins brought for that Golden State Warriors team this past year. Just a lot of offensive rebounding. It hurt the Phoenix Suns in the playoffs against both teams when they played the Pelicans, when they played the Dallas Mavericks. The offensive rebounding killed them. And it, that's what, you know, that's one of the reasons that the Suns lost in the finals. You need to box out and if you don't box out Tori Eason he's going to get that rebound uh I, I valued these athletic wing defenders a lot more than previous years and for playoff teams yeah just having that explosive wing brings a boost of energy and momentum for his team and he did that at LSU I remember watching a game I believe it was against Auburn and he had a fantastic game every contender needs a player like Eason and in due time his offense I believe will come together in Charlotte, he's going to be set up with a lot of opportunities. And if Charlotte doesn't bring back Miles Bridges, Tori Eason might be a really good fit with that team. And you could, you have assets. You have Terry Rozier, whose value is probably at its highest right now. You have Gordon Hayward, a big contract. You have Kelly Oubre, an expiring. You can do another move later on to go get yourself a center. And that's what I plan on doing with the Charlotte Hornets in this scenario. Torres into Charlotte, I'm going to lock it in. And we can move to the final pick. I think this is a little over an hour now, which is pretty surprising considering that my last NBA mock draft, which was a 2020 draft, I believe was like an hour 45 minutes long. So I'm doing better with 
you know, explaining the the players, the picks, the situations. So we're going to move to our final pick, which is the Cleveland Cavaliers at pick 14. I was strongly looking at Houston to trade down. They have pick 17 and pick 26. Those were the two picks that I was eyeing for Cleveland. Couldn't really see a deal work out right there. Not sure if if I'm Cleveland, I don't really need a lot more picks. I need somebody that's going to really help this team offensively and defensively. I look at Isaac, Isaac, uh, is it Isaac Okoro? Yeah, it's Isaac Okoro, who is becoming a, it's weird to say, Chris Dunn-like player. All defense, no offense whatsoever. I need myself a wing that's going to just do the basic stuff to help out Darius Garland, to help out Evan Mobley, Jarrett Allen. I need somebody that's able to just hit the three, play some defense. And I'll look at backup point guards later. I'm mainly looking at Ricky Rubio in free agency for the Cavaliers to bring him back. He was clearly a big he was a big reason as to why Cleveland, Darius Garland in particular, played so well early on in the season. And I just need a, a 3 and D guy for this team. I trust his Isaac Okoro, but now he's not that. He, he hasn't really developed much in the, the last two years. So I'm going to go ahead and grab Oche Ogbaji from, Can- the, yeah, from Kansas. Just I see him as the prototypical role player. Just the definition of a rock-solid basketball player. Great three-point jump shot with good mechanics. A lot of his shots came from catch-and-shoots and pin-downs, mainly because he just has a tough time handling the ball, creating his own shot. He doesn't really do a lot of isolation game. But whenever he does, you know, it, it does give me confidence He that he can take another step offensively. Right now, I, in this situation with Darius Garland, uh, Mobley, Jarrett Allen, Colin Sexton, I believe, is coming back. They're going to bring back Harris LeVert. I'm going to need a guy that's pretty... He, He's not going to be a guy that's going to demand the ball a lot. I prefer him to play more in a catch-and-shoot role, and Oche can do that very well for this Cleveland team. He doesn't have a great passing ability. Matter of fact, I think it's some of the worst passing ability I've seen from a forward. I don't I don't expect it to ever be a part of his game. Just being able to make basic reads to open passing lanes is a necessity for a player. And he just doesn't do that. He's, it's reminiscent of Kelly Oubre, who has some of the worst tunnel vision in the league and is just a straight. He's a player that wants to get his own bucket and will shoot it if he's open. He's not a player defensively that will fill up the stat sheet, but he has quickness. He has strength to annoy ball handlers. However, his, especially in Cleveland where they are focusing a lot more on defense with uh, J.B. Bickerstaff, his defensive technique will need to be refined. He'll be prone to giving up backdoor cuts. uh, And he's just using up a lot of his energy defensively. And that technique, it just impacts his long speed. It 
affects his stamina. It, it gives him trouble when he has to guard on the move catch and shoot shooters. And if you need him to be that catch and shoot three pointer offensively, you can't have him in these situations where he has to run around with the team's best offensive player, you know, mainly looking at Steph Curry or even a guy like Duncan Robinson, for example. You know, Agbaji needs refinements in a lot of aspects of his game, but I, I do expect him to be a highly coveted role player with his 3 and D skill set. And for Cleveland, it's exactly what they need. They need to really make a push for the playoffs. This is a guy that could that could have gotten them over the hump this past season. Oche Agbaji to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I am going to lock it in as my final pick in this mock draft. I'm going to be creating another mock draft right before the start of the NBA draft. I'm just going to lock in my first 30 picks. Those those are going to be predictive picks. I'm going to explain that on my on my stream 30 minutes before the start of the draft. And that is the end of today's episode again check out my own draft board on fanspo again it is going to be on the profile i blake m10 it's going to be titled my own personal draft board profiles soon make sure you guys tune into the live show on june 23rd on thursday at 4 p.m arizona time And again, go check out the Two Cents podcast from Keith and Kyle. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening, and we are out.